following message was given by Shelby Murphy on Sunday, May 7th at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.org. Well, good morning, Redemption Hill. Let me extend my welcome to those joining us um, today for the first time. My my name is Shelby, and, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be back up here. Um, as you can hear, I'm slowly regaining my voice after battling allergies for a few weeks, so please bear with me. Hopefully, I'm not the only one who seems to be struggling with allergies. It seemed to be uh, particularly bad this year, but uh, we are continuing in our series on Proverbs this morning, so if you have your Bibles this morning... Uh, turn with me over back to Proverbs 18. We're going back to Proverbs 18. We were there last week, and today we're going to be looking at verse 2. If you have one of these pew Bibles, it's on page 541, right at the top of the page. Proverbs 18, verse 2. Growing up, a, uh, a book that I was particularly fond of uh, was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, particularly for you super fans out there, the number 42. Um, yes, that's a, that's, a, that's a deep cut for the, uh, for the super fans uh, of the book in the room. You know what I'm talking about. Um, in the book, the number 42 is, anybody take a guess? The answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. 42. That's, that, that's the answer. Now, to come to this answer, it takes a, an, an enormous supercomputer named uh, Deep Thought 7.5 million years to calculate. Unfortunately, by the time the computer came up with that answer, everyone had forgot what the actual question was. He just answers it one day and is like, okay, 42. Um, now, this is a relatively minor part um, of this story, but for some reason, it's stuck, it's stuck in my young preteen brain. 42. I became convinced that one day when I turned 42, I myself would know the answers to the ultimate questions of life, the universe, and everything. Um, I would be grown up. I would be wise. Somehow I had equated uh, simply becoming older to having having wisdom. Now, now don't get me wrong, there is a, um, a particular type of knowledge and experience that comes with growing older, but the Bible doesn't necessarily call that wisdom. Uh, so I confess that I'm standing here today um, as a now 47-year-old preteen, um, <laughs> still, still waiting for that aha wisdom moment. When I, when I know everything, when I become that wise sage like um, Solomon, uh, which is probably why Proverbs has fascinated me, especially these, these past couple of years. Um, but now that I'm past that magic number I, I'd always hoped I'd be, uh, I'm more convinced that my life is not going to have that definitive period at the end of it all whenever I arrive or I have all the answers. As, as cliche as it sounds, um, it, it really is a journey or a path, a long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson says. And this is what Proverbs actually reiterates. Everyone is on a path. 
Everyone is going somewhere. Life is a journey. And the end of it all is not just a place, but it's also a condition. As Robert reminded us a few weeks ago, we are becoming the end of our journey. Proverbs says we are either becoming wise or we're becoming a fool. And every moment, every moment takes us closer there. And what we are reminded of in Proverbs is that God cares about our every moments. So before we jump into our proverb this morning, I just want you to hear the convictions that I am operating on in regards to Proverbs so that you know, know what's coming as, as we look at this verse. This weird book full of everyday moments is nothing less than the voice of God inviting us into his eternal life. It's probably particularly easy for us to sometimes get overly fixated on the massive truths that we encounter in this book. The larger doctrines that help us make sense of everything. And in the process, we can sort of lose sight uh, of the trees for the forest. But we live in a world full of small details. Yes, God cares about our understanding of the massive truths of existence, but he also cares about the nuances that make a difference in our relationships and our experience every day. We need God's help for every day, the everyday moments of our lives. So what God is going after in this book is change deep inside of our hearts. Uh, second, Proverbs is a gospel book. May sound weird. Proverbs is a gospel book. It's good news for bad people. It's grace for sinners. This book is Jesus sitting down with us and offering us his very unique wisdom. He's, he's our counselor here. He's our life coach. He's the universe's greatest expert on all of us, on you. He is the only one qualified to have that kind of say in your life. As one commentator said, the wisdom we encounter in Proverbs is nothing less than the grace of Christ beautifying our daily lives. Ephesians tells us that God has lavished his grace upon us. How? In all wisdom and insight. God's grace is a smart grace. Colossians says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The wise way to live is not always obvious or intuitive or even popular. It's hidden, as Colossians tells us. And here's where it's hidden. We preach Christ crucified. The power of God and the what? The wisdom of God. And Christ is both the power of God to save us and the wisdom of God to live. The wisdom that we read about in Proverbs, Jesus actually lived. And if you call Jesus Lord today, 
Your identity is found in him, which means that the wisdom found in Christ can be yours as well. So those are the convictions that I am operating on this morning as we now look at one seemingly innocuous proverb. However, I'm reminded all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. All scripture is breathed out by God and it's useful. So God means Proverbs 18.2 for our good today. Clear moral instruction is a gift of grace. So we're going to look at this individual proverb to see just what it is God is trying to impress upon us, his people. So let me pray for us as we get started, and then we'll jump into this proverb. Uh, God, we, we need your help again this morning. And I pray that you would help us not, not to harden our hearts or or to stiffen our necks. But give us, give us humble hearts, Lord. Give us receptive hearts. Give us eager hearts so that we might benefit from this, from this somewhat bracing and yet really useful instruction from your word. And we pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 18, verses 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Let me read that again for us today. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. We were told back in chapter one that that this life we're in is about either becoming wise or becoming foolish. And now we start to get some snapshots of what a wise person looks like, of what a foolish person looks like. The fool we were told back in chapter one actually despises wisdom. They despise instruction. And now we're learning a little bit more um, about him. This verse tells us instead of seeking understanding, the fool here just talks, just flaps his gums. He just speaks his mind. A fool doesn't really care about understanding what someone said or understanding that person or understanding the situation. He or she just wants to share their opinion of which they are very confident in. You see, what we are presented with in this proverb is actually two options. And we have to choose between these two options on any given day. Option A is clearly the one that this proverb endorses. And it tells us to work at understanding someone else. Take time to understand someone else. Even find pleasure in actually understanding someone. That doesn't mean you will agree on everything, but you purpose to understand and you see the goodness of it and the rightness of it. That's one option. Or we can choose option B, 
which this proverb explicitly describes and clearly condemns. You just bypass any understanding and just voice your opinion. And again, it's very clear which option God is saying that he wants his people to choose. Seeking understanding before speaking reflects something that is very precious to God, something that is very important to God. And I hope to show you this morning how option A, seeking understanding and not just expressing our opinion, reflects what is pleasing to God. And so this morning, I just simply want to walk through four things that option A embodies, four things that option A represents, all of which are pleasing to God. So let's walk through them one by one today. First, option A is an act of self-control. Seeking understanding instead of just expressing our opinion is an act of self-control. You see, what God is calling us to means that we have to ask questions, and then we have to listen. It means we need to wait to speak. The book of James says it this way, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. And this requires self-control to actually choose not to say something. Look with me for a moment at the verses just above chapter 18. Uh, There at the end of chapter 17, verses uh, 27 and 28. Verse 27 says this. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now that phrase, cool spirit, doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, It means the opposite of a hot-tempered person um, who's able to exercise some level of self-control. And then look there at verse 28. Uh, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Now, all sorts of funny things could be said about that verse. Uh, But the point is clear. Even a fool who doesn't act like a fool is beginning to move towards wisdom. You know, it's amazing to me, even... uh, on the heels of um, a Tim sermon last week, how many proverbs urge restraint when it comes to our speech. Self-control with our words. And option A embodies this act of self-control, which we know from another source is pleasing to God. Second, Option A from Proverbs 18.2 is an act of understanding. Seeking understanding, instead of just expressing our opinion, is an act of understanding. Now, I realize that sounds redundant, but I'm trying to get at something here. Um, remember back in chapter 1, actually, let's, let's flip there. Let's just flip back to chapter 1, those, those, that opening introduction that we looked at a few weeks ago with Robert. Proverbs chapter 1, right at the top. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. To what? 
to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. You hear this word understand, and it's used alongside words like wisdom and instruction. It's not exactly synonymous, but it's part of the package that we're getting in this book. And then uh, flip over with me to uh, chapter 2, or down to chapter 2, right there at the top of chapter 2. It says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. I hope you're hearing this. God is offering this book with the purpose, the aim of making his people, you and I, people of understanding. People who are characterized by a way of thinking, a way of living. They possess understanding. Understanding wisdom characterizes them. Let me show you one more thing. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 5. You see this throughout the book of Proverbs, but I just want to show you one particular example. Proverbs 20, verse 5. The purpose in a man's heart is like a deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. I hope you're beginning to see this. A person characterized by understanding, he purposes what it's, he purposes, he pursues what is in another person's heart. He seeks to understand them. Seeking to understand someone is an embodiment of wisdom of understanding. When you choose option A, it is a demonstration that you possess wisdom. You are a person of understanding, a man, a woman of understanding. Unlike our fool who takes no delight in understanding someone else, only in expressing his own opinion. So option A from Proverbs 18.2 embodies this type of understanding. It represents it, which again, we know from another source, is pleasing to God. Third, option A is an act of humility. Seeking understanding instead of just expressing our opinion is an act of humility. Now, I, I suppose this is obvious, But it shouldn't go without saying today. Seeking to understand instead of just speaking your mind is considering someone else before yourself, which is a major way that humility gets expressed. I hope some verses are coming to your noodle right now um, about this. Romans 12, 10. 
Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I like what the King James says. It says preferring, preferring one another. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So it's an act of humility to do what this proverb is calling us to because it honors others first. But it's also an act of humility because it reflects a very sober assessment of ourselves. It acknowledges that my opinion is not always reliable. Sometimes my opinion is just plain wrong. There are few things more Christian than humility. And option A from Proverbs 18.2 embodies this. It is an act of humility, which we know from another source is very pleasing to God. Now, fourth, option A from Proverbs 18.2 is not just an act of self-control or understanding or humility. Option A is an act of love. Seeking understanding instead of just expressing our opinions is an act of love. Now, actually, if truth be told, both option A and B are acts of love. It's just that with option B, it's an act of self-love. It's a case of loving yourself and loving your opinion. And what this proverb promotes is actually loving someone else. Yes, it takes time. Yes, it takes, it takes energy. But to make this point just a little bit finer, option A takes patience and kindness. And love, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, is patient and kind. Option A isn't arrogant or rude. And love, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, is not arrogant or rude. Option A doesn't insist on its own way. And love, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, does not insist on its own way. Seeking to understand someone is a concrete act of love, which we know from another source, again, very pleasing to God. What Proverbs 18.2 is calling us to by seeking understanding and not just expressing our opinion, four things, an act of self-control or self-restraint an act of understanding, an act of humility, and it's an act of love. All of these are pleasing to God. So let me just bring this in real close to our lives today. First, when, when someone says something about something that you care about, you find yourself with a different view of things, Make sure you seek understanding of what was said. Don't pass judgment on people without talking to them. Go and seek, go and seek understanding. Just think back over your lives, even just over the past few weeks. Can you think of a time that you were more concerned about expressing your own opinion than actually taking pleasure in understanding someone else? 
And if you can think of a moment like that, what was the um, effect of it? Listen, our, our enemy Satan loves division. But seeking understanding builds and it strengthens unity. And even if it ends up after talking that you disagree, submit that disagreement to the Lord and don't let it divide you. God sees. He knows whether that you are right or wrong. But he delights in your prioritizing of the unity and fellowship of his body over and above your position on something else that is ultimately secondary in nature. Second, be particularly careful on social media. I hope you know what I want to say here. What I want to say is seriously reconsider the value of engaging in social media. But that's just my opinion. And this proverb tells me not to not just express my opinion. So I will exercise some self-control and just say, be particularly careful about expressing your opinion online. Don't contribute to divisive conversations online. Social media is particularly fertile ground for this kind of sinning. And indeed it is sinning where all of the normal social restraints are gone. It does not take much courage to express your opinion online. There's so much opportunity for grandstanding or smugness or all sorts of things with virtually no accountability. I am not a prophet, but it's very clear to me that this requires self-control and understanding and humility and love to be on social media. And as with everything, the real battlefield is your heart. So above all, guard your heart, which we will look at some next week. Third, as you read through Proverbs on your own, please note how often these four characteristics, self-control, understanding, humility, and love get applied to our speech. Take note of that as you read through the Proverbs on your own. And then choose maybe one proverb that you feel is particularly pertinent for you and memorize it. Maybe, maybe write it out and put it someplace that you can actually see it regularly. Hide God's word in your heart and let God use that to help you not sin. Finally, and I hope that you have um, anticipated this as I've seeded it all through our time together this morning. All of these characteristics, every one of them, they're all found in Jesus. He's the embodiment of Proverbs 18.2. Self-control. Think about the Easter season we just came out of. Jesus before Pilate, who spoke not a word. Mark 15 tells us, and the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, 
So that Pilate was amazed. Understanding. Think about Jesus in his interactions with everyone. The Samaritan woman in John 4, the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, with his disciples, with the scribes and Pharisees in Luke 5 and 6, even with his mother and brothers in Matthew 12. He connected with people's thoughts and feelings. He understood that new ideas need to be connected with existing frames of reference if they are to last. He seldom pressed for closure or a decision. Instead, he understood that time is required for ideas to simmer and for people to own them before they act on them. Humility. Think about Jesus in his incarnation, who, as Philippians tells us, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And love. Walk in love as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. All of these characteristics have the aroma of Jesus around them. Proverbs 18.2 is not just some, some moralism from Solomon. As if Solomon is just some, is just some ancient John Tesh or something. No. Proverbs 18.2 is a gift from God for us today. It's a gift of clear instruction from God who is absolutely committed to conforming us more and more to the image of his son, Jesus. So receive this gift today. Receive this proverb today. It is a gift of God for his glory. It's a gift of God for your ultimate good today. And so now we have a chance to respond to the wisdom given to us today from God's word. And the question before us is, will we choose to dine with wisdom or set the table and have a date with folly? This is the challenge before us. Because you see, the person calling us today to pursue understanding, to pursue wisdom, is none other than wisdom itself, Jesus. While the fool follows the empty chatter and the empty idolatry of the things of this world, the wise man follows Jesus. The wise man follows the good news of his gospel. So if your identity is in Jesus today, you can respond in obedience to God through the Holy Spirit working in your heart and soul. You can respond by growing in wisdom and understanding through confession and a reverent fear of who he is, a reverent awe of what he has done for you in Christ. With that bread and that juice over there, we remember the cross where the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, was 
crushed for our sin. Where the wise man Jesus hung, dying in the place of fools and idiots like you and me. Because he loves us. If you don't know this Jesus, you have the extraordinary opportunity today to ask God to teach you to fear him. To ask him to help you walk with him wisely. He does this by offering you wisdom incarnate. By offering you Jesus today. Instead of taking those elements, take Jesus instead. Look to him for forgiveness. Look to him for life today. This is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of reverent worship. The beginning of life. And if this does happen to be you today, find me and let me know. Find another pastor here and let them know. Tell, tell somebody else about this today and give us the opportunity to pray for you and to begin to know and to understand you. Let me pray for us today. Father, I'm so, I'm so thankful for so many things this morning. Thankful for your goodness to us in so many ways. Thank you for the gift of your son who is life to us. Thank you for the gift of faith. Father, we thank you for the gift of your spirit in us who helps us to receive your word and to apply it to our lives. Thank you for the gift of conviction. God, help us to see that as a, as a good gift, a good thing. And Father, thank you for the hope that you always attach to conviction. That there's a way here for us to walk that is actually pleasing and good and healthy and right. Father, thank you for this particularly tiny proverb. I pray that you would suit it to our souls. Suit it to our minds, our hearts, in such a way that we will benefit from it and that it would be pleasing to you. That is our desire here today. That's what we ask for earnestly. We want to be pleasing to you, Father. And we ask for help in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Shelby Murphy, given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia. For more information on the church and to hear other messages, please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.org.